This is most certainly true. The Word became flesh. Our Savior God was born a humble baby to set a world of sinners free. He became a person so that He could save people like us. And because He lived and died in our place, now we have a promise of life forever in heaven. Join our celebration of the birth of Jesus with this sermon recently delivered at Grace. John's Gospel, Chapter 1. This account serves as the basis for the sermon today. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Doesn't it feel weird when you have to contact the help desk? And the only way to solve your computer issue is to allow that tech person to gain remote access to your computer. And there you sit, watching that person move your mouse all over your computer screen while you're blinking with the blur of their clicks. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm glad for the help, but it just feels a little bit like they're stepping into my private space. Of course, in this time of Zoom meetings, there now are dozens of people who know what the inside of my home office and rec room look like. I'm not worried about that, but I imagine there are plenty of people who feel a little uncomfortable that strangers seem to be stepping into their private space. And in this internet age, with problems related to identity theft, it just seems like this whole business of privacy is disappearing like a breath on a sub-zero morning in winter. It's just hard to imagine a scene or a scenario where there could be a pleasant invasion of privacy. And yet that's, in a way, what takes place in today's gospel account from John's Gospel, chapter 1. It's an incident from very early in Jesus' public ministry. He had just called four people to be his followers 
Andrew, his brother Peter, John, his brother James, and then he planned to head north to the area known as Galilee, up north in the land of Israel, where he would set up his headquarters and then publicly announce, I am your Savior. But before he started that journey to the north, he called two others to follow him. And when he did, that's when we see what happens when Jesus steps in. Is my faith strong enough? Do I really believe in God the way I should and the true God? I wonder if Philip had thoughts like that going through his mind. We don't know a whole lot about his background. We do know he's from a hick village on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, Not much else in the Bible describes Philip's life. Perhaps he was, like Peter and Andrew, an unschooled fisherman, which would indicate probably living hand to mouth. But all of that changed. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Notice that Jesus took the initiative. Jesus is the one who found Philip and stepped into his life. And good thing, because Philip is just like me and just like you, born with a powerful evil force inside that not only separates us from God's love, but like a mighty team of oxen is pulling in the opposite direction and drum beats with the arrogant assumption that a connection to God will only happen if we first take the initial step that we can connect ourselves to God if we want. And if we want to find God, all we got to do is put in a little effort to search for him and our efforts will be rewarded, but nothing actually could be farther from the truth. A guy who knew the Bible very well said it well. I believe that I cannot, by my own thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel by the good news Jesus took the initiative he found Philip and stepped into his life and then it happened with another person Philip said to his friend Nathaniel you just got to check out this guy Jesus he's the he's the one that Moses and the prophets had been predicting and talking about when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching. He said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Good question, right? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before before Philip called you. Jesus knew where Nathanael had been, what he had been thinking, and what he had been doing. He knew Nathanael's surprise that Philip says, We met the Messiah. And he knew Nathanael's doubts when the village Nazareth was mentioned. This isn't the only Bible account where Jesus peeked into the heart of someone who was another human, a sinful human being. Shortly after this, when Jesus was heading north, 
He was cutting through the territory known as Samaria. He stopped at a little village for a drink of water at a well. He met a Samaritan woman. And after conversation, this woman went and told the people from her town, come and see a guy who told me everything I ever did. And I bet a lot of you remember that Bible account where a paralyzed man was lowered through a roof in a house where Jesus was preaching. Jesus looked into that man's heart and recognized the man needed forgiveness of sins more than healing. And Jesus gave him both. What do we learn from Bible accounts like this about Philip, Nathaniel, the Samaritan woman, the paralyzed man? What we learn is that Jesus can look into our hearts. He can spy out every nook and cranny in the safe deposit box of our minds and hearts. He can invade our privacy. I don't know about you, but that makes me a little nervous because that means he can put his eagle eye on my doubts and fears and envy and greed and hatred and jealousy and lust and worry. The Bible writer and psalmist said, You searched me, Lord, and you know me. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. The writer to the Hebrews wrote, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Jesus knows all of our dark secrets the ones that make us guilty before God. So why would he want to step into our hearts? Why would he want to step into that barnyard waste inside of me and inside of you? There's only one answer. It's because he loves us. And he knows that the only way we're going to get a connection with God is when he steps into our lives and then washes our sin stains away by his blood and paints his perfect life over ours. And he did that. He did that for Philip. He said to Philip, it doesn't matter whether you come from backwoods, backwater, Bethsaida, where life is poor and miserable and mostly full of smelly fish and smellier fishermen and low rent and low lifes. doesn't matter. I am stepping into your life to give you real life, real life with God. He identified Nathaniel as one who was truly an Israelite. In other words, not one who was boasting about blood ties, but one who trusted the promises of God that a substitute would come to shed his blood for sinners. No wonder Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And who wouldn't burst into joy and rejoice when God himself says, I'm stepping into your life to give you real life with God. You are my child. You are in the sphere of my love no matter where you go. And so, Nathaniel, I'm here to tell you that you're going to see greater miracles than the miracle of me seeing you in advance under a fig tree. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus' promise came true. Throughout his ministry, the disciples received clear, certain proof that all creation, including the angels, are at Jesus' beck and call. 
with every eye-popping miracle, with every morsel of his life-giving message, he was opening heaven to them. And right in front of their eyes stood the link between heaven and earth, the go-between, the mediator, the God-man, Jesus Christ himself. So if perhaps like Philip, somewhere in your life you wonder, is my faith strong enough? Do I really believe in the true God, the only one there is? Jesus says, calm your fears. Let me assure you, Jesus says, that I'm stepping into your life to give you real life, a real connection with God. Heaven's doors are open for you, and there's a great big sign out in front of heaven's doors with your name on it. You're connected to God now, and you will be forever. So when the, when the devil wants to accuse us of being unforgivable, when people poke fun at us because of our trust in Jesus, when that evil force inside raises up doubts, where do we go? We go to our Lord Jesus. The Bible writers tell us, whenever our hearts condemn us, remember, remember God is greater than our heart. Jesus steps into our life to give us life, real life with God. And that means no matter where you go, no matter what goes wrong in your life in this pandemic and all the social unrest and political turmoil, no matter what, you are connected to God. And you will be forever. Do you need to undo damage in a relationship with a family member? At some point in your experience, have you begun to take worship for granted? You know, that all changed a little bit when this COVID thing happened and we couldn't show up, you know. And finally, when we could, June 14, and with masks on, optional at first, later on, mandatory, we're all eager to get back together, but still, I, under, I get it, you know. There's people hesitant. I just, so we'll watch, we'll watch streaming. But, you know, time goes by. Just like after 9-11, some 20 years ago, people are all excited to be back in church, but that lasted about, what, two weeks? Now the pandemic is on us, and I'm thrilled that you're here. And those who are streaming live, God bless you, and who watch later on YouTube channel. But it's easy, isn't it, to go, well, you know, I'll catch it streaming at home, it's safer, and I'll watch later in the week. Well, then you miss that week, and maybe miss the next week. Can it happen that there's a friend you know who isn't close to Jesus? Have you squandered dollars and robbed God? Jesus stepped into Philip's life, and a change happened inside of Philip's heart. He now just couldn't hold that in. He just had to share it. He told his friend Nathaniel, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and it didn't end there. This became a regular pattern in Philip's life. He was certainly an Israelite, but he had a Greek name. The name Philip is actually from the Greek language. Maybe that's the reason why three years later, at the Passover feast in Jerusalem, some Greeks approached Philip. It was Tuesday of Holy Week, three days before Jesus was hanging on the cross. And it was exhausting that day because every major group of his opponents were on the attack toward Jesus to make him look foolish in front of the crowds. Exhausted at the end of the day with the sun going down, Jesus intended to head down the Temple Mount, through the streets of Jerusalem, out the city gate, across the Kidron Stream to an olive grove for some quiet time for prayer. Big time prayer in Gethsemane. But before that happened, before leaving the Temple Complex, 
Some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival came to Philip with a request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And what did Philip do? The very same thing he did with his friend Nathaniel. He and Andrew brought that request to the Lord, and that is real living. There are other Bible accounts where Jesus stepped into the life of a sinner, gave them real life, a connection, real life with God, and now they demonstrated real living. How about that Samaritan woman at the well where Jesus engaged her in conversation? She not only went back to her town and said, come and see a guy who told me everything I wanted. He's the Messiah, not just for Israelite people, but for us Samaritans. And maybe some of you can recall that instance of the vertically challenged tax collector named Zacchaeus. He was up in a tree. Jesus stepped into his life, gave him real life with God. And Zacchaeus demonstrated that change on the inside by returning and paying back all the people he had cheated with his fraud and with his greed. And then you probably know the Bible account about the man who had been demon-possessed and near a village called Gadara. His life had been a living hell. But Jesus stepped into his life, turned it all around. And that man then, we're told in the Bible, went away and began to tell everyone throughout the territory how much Jesus had done for him. Do you have damage to undo in a relationship with a family member? Think of how Jesus stepped into your life, gave you real life with God, and you'll do everything possible to restore that relationship. That is real living. Has worship become just a little bit of old hat once in a while in your life? Think of how Jesus has stepped into your life and gave you real life with God, and you won't want to ever miss an opportunity, not just on weekends, but every day, to praise and thank God as you hear what he's done for you, and that is real living. Have you squandered dollars and robbed God? Think of how Jesus has stepped into your life and given you real life with God, and your heart and your wallet will be open. That is real living. Do you know a friend who doesn't sense that they're close to Jesus? Think of how Jesus has stepped into your life and given you real life with God. And you'll be inviting that person, just like Philip, come and see. That is real living. It's hard to imagine that this thing that happened in American history called 9-11 happened almost 20 years ago. But after that event, our government decided that it needed to be a little more careful and ferret out any bad guys by observing any electronic communications, which would mean a little closer tab on citizens. There are people who complain, the government is invading my privacy. There are others who say, well, that's just fine. Keep out the bad guys. I got nothing to hide. Whether you think it's a good or a bad idea for the government to get involved in any invasion of your privacy, there is an invasion that I'm delighted about. And I bet you are too. Jesus has stepped into your life and mine. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, 
To support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.